I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media with out the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. And hello, everybody. Happy Tuesday. We hope you had a good weekend. I was about to skip something, and I was like, wait, let me tell the people about the weekend. Hope you had a great weekend. Hope you had a great start to your week, you all. I'm so excited for today. We have another one of my favorites here, Ben Soffer, who is as known as Boy With No Job on Instagram. I'm sure you all have seen his memes. So funny. Um, his wife, Girl With No Job, Claudia, love her to death. Amazing. Um, follow both of them. Like Before we even get into what we're going to talk about. Just follow them. Anyway, Ben is here. We're going to talk about his um, new company and brand, Spirit Society, which is a really cool sparkling cocktail brand. And they have lots of cool drinks. They did a really cool collab with Skinny Confidential that created the perfect shade of pink. Um, you definitely want to look up that can because the packaging on that, chef's kiss, phenomenal. So if you like memes, if you like drinks, if you just want to hang out, Sit back because Ben's breaking down how he became a boy with no job, even though he has so many. Haha, ha, I know everybody makes that joke. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, let's get into today to hear about what Ben's been up to and Spirit Society and everything in between. And Ben, how are you? Welcome, welcome. I'm wonderful, Colin. How are you? Good, good. So glad you're here. It's about to get fun. <laughs> um, before we get started, we always start with the question, um, what the term young influential means to you? Ooh, um, somebody that isn't afraid of what's in front of them and uh, is ready to climb up a mountain and do something that maybe others are, are scared to do or intimidated of doing. Come on. See, when he said that, I'm like, dang, I need some mountain shoes or hiking shoes because I cannot do it in my Converse or Vans. <laughs> like, I am not the description. It's such a good call, but you won't catch me in mountain shoes. I actually have like, it's like a thing. It's more related to socks. Like the way that these sock companies are trying to market to us that we need different socks for different activities. Like you need a different sock for basketball than you do for golf, than you do for leisure, than you do for dress. Like 
just give me a one size fits all sock. Like, it's not that complicated. We don't need all that. And honestly, that reminds me, this might be a hot take in a very like might get me canceled, but I don't wear socks anymore, really. So by the way, it shouldn't get you canceled, but whoever you live with, I mean, God bless them. Like <laughs> I, I don't want to know what your feet smell like, Colin. Um, it's it's unless, not good. It's not honestly, it's not good. It's not yes, good. Maybe explore baby powder or you could be like, by the way, go shoeless. Like you could be you want to talk about being a young influential. <laughs> be the leader of the no shoes. And I hear that they call it grounding, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. People claim. I mean, I don't know if anybody's tried to ground on the streets of New York City. but Yeah, I feel like that's unsanitary. So <laughs> I might, <laughs> I'm going to save that for like when it's picnic season in Central Park and I'll ground on a blanket that's heavily sanitized yeah. with some almond milk. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Oh my gosh, but anywho, um, I could talk about almond milk and milk for a while, but let me get myself back on track. Um, take us back to childhood, Ben. Like, were there any media influences or people that really influenced you into being interested in media? Wow, what an, what an excellent question. Um, no. Uh, when I was young, I wanted to be a dentist. Uh, I interned in a dentist's office for whatever reason. I found teeth very appealing and probably had something to do with the money that it seemed like one could make being a dentist. Um, in terms of like people that I looked up to comics always like Robin Williams was my numero uno, uh, rest in peace. And then Adam Sandler. I don't know if you just saw the CNN, uh, thing that they did on Sandler, but that oh, was yeah. pretty cool. Uh, that that tribute, and then on the sports side, like a Kobe Bryant, I grew up a huge basketball fan. He was super influential in my life, but I didn't find media until, honestly, I launched an Instagram and started playing around and realized that I actually love creating and I love building community, but it happened very late, I'd say, like 18. It wasn't like a young uh, appreciation of media. Um but once I figured out sort of what it was and what I could do with it, it really became second nature. And when you said that it made me think of the MySpace days, did you not have a MySpace? I did. I did. Okay. Okay. What was your MySpace song? Because <laughs> I, I feel like that defines, <laughs> that truly defines people. <laughs> Honestly, I'm like very embarrassed because this is not <laughs> anything anybody's ever asked me. And, uh, so I had a basketball coach. I went to a Jewish private school. We had eight kids in our class, eight. And we had a basketball coach. His name was Khalil. He was just like this six, eight, amazing basketball player. And he like would expose us to music that we were just not exposed to. So my background was my favorite show at the time, which was Fresh Prince. Oh my gosh. And, <laughs> and my song was Lean With It, Rock With It by Stop. Stop. <laughs> oh, wait, that's honestly so iconic. Wait, honestly, MySpace is the reason why we have graphic designers today. The graphic design and coding we all had to do to get our backgrounds. Like, I remember I had like the Louis Vuitton logo at one point. Like, I, and then I had like the dropping name where it spelled your name with the stuff. Like, I was coding my little arms away. Like, honestly, that is the house that built me. So, so funny. I haven't thought about that in so long. But yeah, MySpace was cool. I don't think I did anything with it. 
Um, but MySpace was cool. Like, uh, what an era. I think, yeah, my for everybody's like, what was your song? Mine, I remember Jonas Brothers was mine at one point. Uh, I feel like in mine. I was just easily influenced. Like, I thought, <laughs> like, I, thought I was so cool. But, yeah, if it, if it was real, mine would have been like Miley Cyrus, Hannah Montana. Uh, I'm trying to think what I liked it as, as a 12 or 13 year old. <laughs> I was I was a big Disney Nick guy. So Jonas Brothers, I can relate. Uh, and honestly, an air. I don't want really to talk about it because I didn't get to see them on Broadway when they did their Five Nights thing. I'll save that for another time. I missed that, so I'm not going to get into that. <laughs> Um, but fast forward, getting into like you as like you're going through school, like did you study media or did you study business or what were the things that started to influence you and that you started to be curious about that you wanted to study? It, it really, it was the reverse. So I found Instagram probably my junior year of college was when I really started to build my audience. And all of a sudden I looked back at what I had been studying and it's like, okay, like science is awesome, but I have a real path here of if I can become more professionally trained, I'll say, in media, marketing, communications, business, then it's something that can be applicable to something that I've already started to build online. So it really was reverse. And I went back and while I was on track for a biology major and a chemistry minor, I weirdly have a chemistry minor and then a major in digital marketing. And I did that in my entire senior year and I graduated and I went straight to work for agencies. The first agency I worked for was Young and Rubicam uh, on Colgate was my client. And I just dove head first, but I really, I like pivoted on a dime. Like I woke up one day and I'm like, I like creating. I now understand like, or, or started to understand what it meant to have an audience and what that could do for me and what that experience could do for future clients and became that influencer that spoke to both clients and influencers, understood the uh, goals of a client and understood the ways that an influencer could get them there and started to forge my career at the intersection of both. And like, what was it about working with those clients? Because I hear people talk about all the time how they either kind of like use the tools that they would do in their day-to-day work to utilize that in their own like social media, their own businesses? Like what about it and your day-to-day really fascinated you and kind of that really helped you? I think it was just um, like my, I always say that I'm like a salesman first, like at the baseline of everything that I do is sales, whether it's selling myself, selling Spurt Society, selling a client on a campaign. So it was really that realization that being an influencer or having an audience and showing that as your track record was your greatest sales tool to selling a client a campaign. When I'd go into the room and I'd talk about, okay, I'm going to put together this million dollar campaign for you, but I know it's going to work because of X, Y, or Z that I've done in my past. Like that was that natural hook that made me that expert. And the second that you have that hook, I mean, that's all that a salesman needs. It's just that one piece of information that makes you more credible than the person standing in front of you or standing next to you. And I leveraged that into uh, selling into various clients. Come on. Okay. Now let's switch over gears. So boy with no job for all those who are listening, like where did that come from? 
where did that stem from? Because clearly you're not a boy with no job. Like you're a boy yeah. with a big job. <laughs> yeah. It's become an ironic alias. At this point. Um, but I, so I met my, I met my now wife, girl with no job, 11 years ago. Uh, we met in college, which is just crazy that we've been together for so long. And when we met, we had no, there was no Instagram. Probably six months into dating, she had a blog called Girl With A Job, got fired from that blog. And at the time, people were starting to make meme accounts. It was early, but there was like the fat Jewish and fuck Jerry and like their, their accounts were small, but they were starting to gain traction. And for accuracy purposes, she launched an Instagram account called Girl With No Job where she'd use means that she created to drive traffic to her blog. And I remember five months into that, uh, we were early, like maybe we're dating a year and it's just like, you need to get off your phone. Like (laughs) you are on your phone 24 seven. Like, I think it's funny, but like you're on your, you're on your phone 24 seven. And she's like, I am not getting off my phone. So you might as well get on your phone. Uh, And that day I launched boy with no job uh, where I would make my own memes. And we had an attempt where I was going to reach a male consumer. She was going to reach a female consumer. And of course we both talked to a female consumer. Um, but that's really the origin story. I'm the boy with no job to girl with no job. And they started off as two just meme accounts where we would make and repost other people's content and slowly, but surely really the introduction of Instagram stories allowed us to have our own personality and shine our faces through and then original video and then podcasts and then businesses. But it really all started with two meme accounts. No, because that's so true. Because I remember when like all those started to come about. Like I remember, I feel like Girl with No Job. I remember we would all just like be passing and DMing and screenshotting all the different memes. We're like, oh, look at this. And it was just so, just like, I know we all say, but authentic and original. And it was just like, yo, this is so relatable. And I feel like that's kind of what those early accounts did. Like they were really able to get what brands are like trying to get now that that human connection and really connect with the audience. Yeah, it's it's all that curb your enthusiasm humor. It's like that relatable day to day, that thing that you won't say yourself, but I'll say for you that you'll then send to your friend. And it went from commenting like comments used to be the thing, right? You tag six friends. Now it's that little paper airplane emoji where you're sending it to people. But it's that like reminder where I'm going to say something and you're going to tell your friend and you and your friend are going to laugh about it. That's what it's all built on. And like, as that started to grow and stuff, were you worried about how to kind of keep people's attention? Cause I know like as time went on, Instagram started changing, adding, like we said, adding stories, adding all these things. Like were there moments where you're like, Oh crap. Okay. Now I have this audience. How do I keep their attention? How do I kind of scale this and keep it growing? Yeah, so it was twofold. On one end of the spectrum, the reason why I never stopped working in nine to fives is because I never trusted that it was a viable full-time career move for me. I just was always that skeptic. Like Instagram could die tomorrow, then what the hell are you going to do, right? At the same time, if you are constantly focused on how big can I grow to, I actually find that you're neglecting your current followers because in order to reach a new audience, you need to pivot your content. And then all of a sudden the diehard people that came here for one reason are not getting the stuff that they were looking for. So it doesn't mean that I'm not like leaning into reels. It doesn't mean that I'm not trying to, to do different things, but, uh, and 
a mentor of mine and somebody that I used to work for, Gary Vaynerchuk, once mentioned this to me. And I thought it was very interesting. One and a half million people is an unbelievable amount of people. Um, sure, you could have 10 million followers, you could have 50 million followers, you could have 100 million followers. But if you focus all of your energy on making that one and a half million people your diehards, you can do anything you want. And it's so true. And you see it in micro-influencers all the time. There are these influencers that have communities of 30,000 people that are making more money than people with 50 million followers because those 30,000 people are diehard enough that 15,000 of them are down to pay them $20 a month to listen to exclusive content. And then all of a sudden, it's like, do you need that big of an audience or do you just need to keep engagement high, keep them happy, make sure that the content you're delivering is relevant and spot on? Uh, so, of course, everybody wants to grow, but my main concern is harnessing the current community that I have and adding value to them. And one way of doing that was building this brand, Spirit Society, in their image, where I went to them and I asked them, what are you looking for in a canned beverage and crowdsource innovation through my community? And that's the type of uh, engagement that I think is more important. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey there, podcast fam. Are you ready to break free from the social media rut? Hold on to your hatch because we've got just a thing for you. Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for leveling up your online presence. Whether you're a personal brand or a company, they've got the tools and know-how to take you to the next level. With Viral Growth, forget about those endless hours of video editing. They handle everything from brainstorming to polishing your content so you can just focus on being awesome. And guess what? We're hooking you up with a sweet deal. Use code ADWEEK for 10% off when you sign up. Ready to take your social media game to the next level? Head on over to viralgrowth.io and let's turn those digital dreams into a reality. And to like rewind a little bit, like how did that idea and concept for Spirit Society come about? Like, what was it about that that you were like, you know, this is this is what we need to do. This is what we need to this is what our audience would have wanted. Like, how did that come about? Yeah. So first we saw the rise in ready to drink beverages like the hard seltzers, the Trulies, the White Claws. All of a sudden you blinked and everybody was drinking White Claw. And if you ever had a White Claw, you're like, this stuff tastes terrible. <laughs> like, like, what is going on? Everyone's drinking it, but it's terrible. And it was sort of this like simultaneous light bulb in my head where one of them was, I don't drink this. I like to think of myself as somebody that has great taste. I'll order a cocktail or I'll order a spritz of some kind or I'll order like something that like you feel like you're drinking something. Uh, and then on the other side of it, I realized that if everybody's drinking White Claw, then people must have really hated beer 
and everybody was just forced to drink beer because it was the only convenient option. But if they sprung so quickly to malt-based carbonated water, then there was an opportunity to make something different. And I'm never going to be the one to hop on a trend because I think that everybody hops on the same trend. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, you're looking at exactly what we have, which is 200 celebrity tequilas. So I knew that the only way that we could launch something original was going to our audience and asking them, what do you want? So we put together a Google form asking tens of thousands of my followers. I hand direct message them their opinions on logos, flavors, can designs, alcohol percentage, alcohol base. And we called that R&D group the Spirit Society, the name of the brand. And it was the empathetic approach that we took to building brand that had the community show us that they wanted a wine-based sparkling cocktail that actually tasted good. And if you looked at any consumer reports, wine-based was not on there. So it was going to the community and asking them, what do you want that led us to creating a product that is now award-winning USA Today's Best Can Cocktail of 2022, five delicious flavors. And we owe it all to the community that continues to support us and we want to make products in their image. Come on. And that's so true. Like, I feel like a lot of times, like, celebrities and stuff would be like, oh, everybody's making uh, skincare brands. Or everybody's doing, like you said, tequila. Like, we got to get somebody on there and doing it. It's like, first of all, did your audience ask for that? Like, you're, uh, you're, you're not, this isn't even part of your brand. Like, why are you rushing out to make a tequila or why are you rushing out to make skincare? You've always, it's like, especially like the celebs who always like talk about like, oh, I don't do this to do that. That's like two months later. It's like, why are they coming out with this? Like, this is obviously a cash grab and people can tell if like <clears throat> something's a cash grab or not. So I feel like it's so true and so important. Like what you did, like ask your audience, like, Hey, what is it that you guys are looking for? And really engaging with that, because if you're putting out a product that everybody else is doing, they're going to read right through that. <laughs> it's, it's so easy. It's like, uh, it's like customer service one oh one. Like when somebody orders your product, you ask them, what did they think? And you can either choose to look at that information and say, Oh, they, hated this flavor time and time again, we should kill it. Or you can ignore it and you can keep making it. But wouldn't your sales be better if you listened to your consumer and made something that they wanted? So I think it's just an approach to running a business and building a brand where we really are people first and listening to what the consumer actually wants, knowing that if we deliver something that they want, they're going to be far more open to buying it than me needing to force something down their throat. Um, so yeah, that's that's our that was our approach. Yeah, and I, and just to like touch uh, touch on the point you made earlier, that's so true. Like a lot of times, people are like, "Oh, the only way that my planners or my gloves or whatever is going to do well is if I have a huge 50, 50 million, one million like following audience." And it's like, no, all you need is a loyal fan base. And I feel like that's now what brands and stuff are seeing now, where it doesn't matter like how big someone's audience is. It's like, does their audience are they participating? Do they care? Like you said, are they willing to pay whatever? to support such and such thing. And I feel like that's what can really help determine like this is the success of a product, not how big someone's audience is. So I feel like that's something that we're all now seeing. No. And, and how much do they truly like it? Uh, do they drink it? Do they wear it? Do they use it? Like you can read straight through that. Like, do they have a history of drinking something very similar that they always really liked? And are they probably still drinking that? Like, so I, authenticity is key. And when you guys are thinking about like going out for the next move, like when do you determine if like, okay, like it's time to now step up and add a new flavor, add like 
merch to the product or whatever? Like, what is it? What's like the deciding factor? Uh, do you guys do like the polling thing again, or is it kind of just based off of like instinct? Yeah. So we just did, we released it 28 days ago. I think it was March 1st. We did a limited edition collab with Lauren Bostic, the skinny confidential, if you've heard of her. Uh, she's an investor and we wanted to take the same exact approach that we took with our audience with hers. And we asked her to put together a, a Google form asking her audience <laughs> their opinions on here's like four flavors, here are colors, here's like all this. And they picked pink lemonade and we dropped pink lemonade with her uh, direct consumer only and sold out six plus figures in 48 hours. It was it was crazy. And it's because, again, her community felt involved in the process. And on our side, it led to 60% net new customers. So it was an amazing customer acquisition tool in addition to a collab launch. But so on the collab side, leaning into somebody news audience, and then on our side, the best part about being a direct-to-consumer brand that's in wholesale is that we have the one-to-one first-party data where I can go to my listserv and ask them, what, what flavor are you looking for? What summer flavor do you want? You can't do that when you're just a wholesale brand and you don't mm-hmm. sell the consumers because you don't have their email addresses. You don't have their phone numbers. You're not talking to them. So always crowdsourcing innovation. I think it's the right way to, to, to go about it. Uh, and sometimes you're met with a recommendation where uh, the community wants you to make watermelon, but a wine-based watermelon beverage doesn't taste good. <laughs> so you can't do it. So there's it just always, sounds like a flop. <laughs> there's, always that. there's always that, right? Like, tell us what you want. And then if we can make it awesome, we're going to release it. If we can't make it awesome, then sorry. It's got to go. Yeah, it's, it's getting canned. <laughs> this is important. So making sure the product's great. And also speaking of that collab, that really is the perfect shade of pink. Like <laughs> that that's accurate. Like that actually is such a like I remember I was listening to one of the interviews you guys did and I was like, wait, no, that actually is the perfect shade of pink. Like it is. It was very so, well done. It's a great can and it's just so different. Now the question is, do we release it in wholesale? Do we make more of them? Or do we let it be just a drop that had its moment in time, built hype? So unsure what we're gonna do there yet, but that and was a very exciting moment. Honestly, like I, I'm obsessed with it. And that just leads me to my next thing. Like whenever you're then going into marketing it, like you said, like, is there a deciding factor? I feel like everybody now, like with all the TikToks, everybody's like, oh, should we do like partner with influencers to promote it? Or do we promote it ourselves? Or do we do videos? Do we do static posts? Like what's kind of your guys' deciding factor when it's time to, all right, this is our audience. Like this is what we're going to do to market it and get, the word out? Like, is there a particular formula that you guys do? Yeah. So first and foremost, it's leaning into what we know best, which is organic social. So promoting on our own accounts, building content that we know resonates with our millennial female consumer, leaning into ways that they can plus up the product. So of course, for society's best dressed in a can by itself. But if you're home and want to mess around and make a beautiful, colorful cocktail with Spirit Society at the base, then we'll make recipe content. Uh, we'll, we'll lean into tentpole events and talk about, uh, like pop culture references, always trying to be top of mind. Uh, most importantly though, is showing the product in situations where it's being consumed with friends. So doing photo shoots where 
friends are enjoying it on the beach or in a boat or at a, a happy hour at a barbecue. And then leaning into the way that we like to work with influencers is throwing an event. It can be a small event like uh, and making it feel bigger, um, mm-hmm. but making great video content coming out of that event, posting that on TikTok and Reels, uh, but really leaning into the organic nature of content production is is our bread and butter. Uh, in terms of using influencers, paying influencers, macro influencers, in my opinion, are amazing for massive brands that have unlimited distribution and money. But for startups, it's very, very difficult to work with a macro influencer that has pockets of audience nationally and internationally, and all of a sudden you're paying somebody a huge amount of money to promote something where the vast majority of their audience will never come in contact with your product in wholesale, right? So it's it's sort of that push-pull. I'd much prefer to pay the micro-influencer that I know is really big in Texas and can promote HEB uh, mm-hmm. because their 30,000 followers all live in Texas as opposed to the person with 3 million where 1% of them live in Texas, but I'm reaching... 2% of people in the UK where my product isn't currently available. No, that's something key to, for like people to keep in mind. Cause I feel like that's the same thing. They're like, Oh, we have this massive budget. Let's get so-and-so to do it when it's like, no, we could spread the wealth. And if we're trying to target um, goat farmers in Vermont, we can get two or three micro goat influencers yeah. to promote it. Then like one massive, I don't know, random person to do it when the goat farmers directly targeting the audience that you're wanting to reach. Yeah, and if you really do have massive budgets, which we don't, <laughs> if you have massive budgets, spend them on experiences. Like go use your goat farmer example. Go activate, buy those goat farms and do something sick. Like you're going to get the best content from an event. Like bring people together, bring influencers to the event, capture content, build buzz, invite press. Like that to me, like if I could exclusively throw events, like – I would exclusively throw events. I think it's the number one tool for marketing, at least in our space, because liquid to lips is the best way to introduce somebody to the product. If you try it, you're going to love it. And so if I can do that in a fun environment, uh, it's, it's a no brainer. Yeah. I'm, I'm a sucker for a good, I'm a sucker for a good event. I love a good event. So I'm about that. (laughs) Pop-ups or like festivals, like all that stuff. That's the best. And do you guys like? Do you guys have any like festivals or thing or events like that? Speaking of pop ups, that you guys are planning on like doing activations at, or like kind of like how does um, like how does that come about? Yeah, slowly but surely. A lot of it has to do with budget, and it has to do with making sure that the business is mature enough for those opportunities. Because a lot of them are like, I don't know, a quarter of a million dollar price tag, but then the amount of product that you're going to end up selling through it is a fraction of that, and it's an awareness play. But it's very hard as a young business to do activities where you can't directly attribute ROI, at least in my opinion. Mm-hmm. There are some young brands that love the idea of mass awareness, but we get so much mass awareness for free from our organic social. So the idea of paying somebody so much money to do something simply awareness-based is tough. But this year we are partnering with Tart at Coachella, which will be really exciting. Whoop, whoop. Um, Confidentially, we're also partnering with Tarte on their Turks and Caicos influencer trip, which is coming up in in April. Uh, We just sold into the UBS Arena, which is the home of the Islanders in New York. Uh, We're partnering with City Field, which is where the Mets play. So slowly but surely, we're uh, taking advantage of these opportunities. But those, to me, are uh, 
the best ways to reach a new consumer, have them see a product somewhere where they're excited to try new things, uh, fall in love with it and go back home and buy it. I love that. Well, I will see you guys at Coachella because I'll be there weekend too. Great. So. If you want to come to the uh, TART event, I won't be there, but <laughs> <laughs> you, can, you, can, you can take a picture. Yeah. I'll take a picture and send it to you. Be like, yeah. hey, here you go. Yeah. Um, I love that. But before I go, I want to hear about how your podcast got started with one of my favorites. Yeah. Um, Josh, how did that come about? Because I'm obsessed. I think it's so cool. Thank you. Thank you. Um, the podcast is called Good Guys for anybody that isn't aware. Uh, I host it with Josh Peck uh, now on How I Met Your Father, uh, but you probably remember him from Drake and Josh. And he's just an amazing friend, actor, so funny. And it's so weird how it, how it happened. Uh, I met Josh five years ago when I was working for a client, Little Caesars, and I sent him a campaign and he thanked me by sending me a gift card to Mastro's and we kept in touch and he came on my wife's show. We started to become friendly and the more we spoke, we're like, you know, we, we have a very similar personality. Like our, the way that we think about things is very similar. Uh, the way that we approach life and comedy and we did a test episode and it was so easy. Like when I tell you, like there is zero preparation that goes into these episodes, zero. It's 100% improv. Sure. We'll have like a headline that we'll pull up now and again to read from, but there's relatively no structure except a segment that we call what are you nuts, where we talk about just things that are absolutely insane that go on in our daily lives or what other people are doing that make us say, what are you nuts? <laughs> but besides that, it's just so free flowing. And I think that's why people have really gravitated towards it. It's doing really well. Um, shocked by how many people are listening on a weekly basis. And uh, I think that it's, it all goes back again to authenticity. Like I think that people just feel like they're sitting in a room listening to two friends talk. Like it's, it's funny. We have a great time. Our takes are weird and, I'm happy you're enjoying it because we're definitely enjoying doing it. No, I'll be like on the subway on my way to work and I'll just like be like listening on my headphones and like be dying laughing. And people are like, what's this person laughing at? And I'm like, uh, I'm like, uh, don't judge me. You're not listening to a good show. <laughs> I, I think it's also so fun and interesting because we both acknowledge that like podcasting is not our full-time job. He's an actor. I run a business. He's a dad. I have a furry son. I'm married. We're both married. Like it's, it's just, it's a thing that we do together, but we get to talk about so much more because we're so busy in our lives doing other things. I think that if we were just full-time podcasters, we'd have far less to talk about if that makes mm -hmm. sense. So I think that because we are like, always busy. And honestly, like the, the main times that we get to talk are alive. Uh, like when we're recording is the most time during the week that me and Josh get the opportunity to talk because we're so busy. So it's, it's been great. I, I love that. And then for my last question to wrap us up for everybody that's like been cool, love that you had dim franchise boys as your MySpace song <laughs> and all that jazz. Um, but I'm trying to start my business. Like what advice do you have for anybody's listening to like 
I have a great idea. I'm trying to kickstart and get this off the ground. Like what's like step one that you would give them? So, so first I want to preface that I don't want to sound preachy. So take this with a grain of salt. This is my opinion. Uh, every, every idea that you're going to have, somebody's going to think is a terrible idea. Uh, you shouldn't ignore them because maybe it is a bad idea. But ultimately, everybody around you has not started something. Entrepreneurs or there, there are not there are not a lot of them. Most of your friends are in traditional nine to fives. And if you're trying to start something, the first thing is just doing it. Having an idea is not doing it. I want to preface that. Like everybody loves to say, like they watch Shark Tank. They're like, oh, I thought of that. I could have done it. <laughs> no, you you couldn't have done it because you didn't do it. Right? Like, if you could have done it, you would have done it. And there's more than enough room for two of the same thing marketed and branded differently to an entire world of consumers. So actually doing something is more than putting together a business plan. It's more than putting together a product. It's going out and actually creating something and finding a community. And it can be small to start, but the the best advice that I can give is do it. And you'll feel if it's something that has legs. If it doesn't have legs, stop doing it and figure out something else to do. And don't be ashamed that something maybe didn't work. Like I had so many horrendous ideas, like (laughs) so many that I thought were genius at the time. Genius, like my first business idea, I thought it was genius. I was gonna make meme pool floats where you you could sit on a pool float and we'd have a bar behind you that had a headline. And when I took a picture of you, you'd be the meme. And I'm like, that's genius. And it's like, I look back on it and I'm like, Ben, what are you fucking insane? Like, that's a bad idea. And it's like, if if I had like spent time and energy developing that and taking it through, it would have been a terrible idea. So have an idea, but execute that idea. Make sure it's a good idea and make sure that uh, you, you take it far enough that uh, – Maybe it's something investable and you can take it to the next level. But having an idea is not a, not a business. I mean, I honestly love a good pull flow. So I probably would have purchased like, <laughs> two or three for my friends. So. But fine, we're doing it, Tom. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like just in time for like, so I, t- I, can, like I can see fine. that like, I'm at Coachella, you know, in the middle of the desert on the pull flow. They're like, why is that kid in a pull flow? in the middle of Bad Bunny set and I'll be like, oh, you guys haven't heard of the meme flow? And, yeah, then it takes and, off. and the meme headline behind you <laughs> drops and you do whatever you're doing. And Bad Bunny's in the background doing his set. Like, there we go. I'm telling rest, you. Rest in peace. Rest in peace. But Ben, thank you so much for talking us through all this. I honestly cannot get the MySpace conversation out of my head. So I'll be thinking about that the rest of the day. And so I feel like that's iconic. I think that's iconic, honestly. Thank you. So funny. <laughs> so funny and random. <laughs> but I feel like this, we learned, all learned so much. So thank you for being here today. <laughs> thank you, Colin. Thank you for having me. <laughs> wow, how great was this episode? If you were like me, you probably took a lot of notes and have a lot of questions and comments. So if you do, feel free to add us at Adweek across Twitter, Instagram, all the social medias. And we'd love to hear from you all. And feel free to give us a rating on Apple Podcasts. That always helps us. And we can't wait to hear from you all and see you in the next episode. So bye, everybody. Thank you for listening to Young Influentials, part of the Adweek Podcast Network and ACAST Creator Network. This podcast was produced by Al Manorino. 
Executive produced by Chris Aarons and edited by Lane McGibney at Bountwell Studios. You can listen and subscribe to all Adweek's podcasts by visiting adweek.com slash podcasts. Stay updated on all things Adweek Podcast Network by following us on Twitter at Adweek Podcast. And if you have a question or suggestion for the show, send us an email at podcast at adweek.com. Hey there, podcast fam. Are you ready to break free from the social media rut? Hold on to your hatch because we've got just a thing for you. Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for leveling up your online presence. Whether you're a personal brand or a company, they've got the tools and know-how to take you to the next level. With Viral Growth, forget about those endless hours of video editing. They handle everything from brainstorming to polishing your content so you can just focus on being awesome. And guess what? We're hooking you up with a sweet deal. Use code ADWEEK for 10% off when you sign up. Ready to take your social media game to the next level? Head on over to viralgrowth.io and let's turn those digital dreams into a reality. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 